I'm Boots Riley. I'm the writer and director of Sorry to Bother You. Significant Productions, that's Nina Yang, Bon Jovi, and Forrest Whitaker, MNM Creative, they are money people. Macro, you all know who Macro is, Charles King and them. Center Reach, they're really cool New Yorker hipster film people. The Space Program, Gus. So this scene... I knew, this is the first scene I knew that I had in the movie because it is uh, kind of based on how my friend Rob always got his jobs. He, but he never got caught, though. And he would get some really cool jobs. He actually got jobs at Bank of America, like, you know, not even as a teller, as like a, uh, as a, uh, an executive by lying and giving out phone numbers that uh, that that were supposedly to managers of restaurants and stuff like that, but were really to the busboys um, of restaurants, and that uh, and just was really good at at, at lying to get jobs. Um, so shout out to Rob. If you are watching this, you, Mr. Green, you never fucking worked there. And the number that you gave to the rusty scuffer. This is a scene that we actually did in the Sundance Labs. You know, when you go to the Sundance Director's Lab, you get to try a few scenes. And uh, luckily, we got to work it out because I had this crazy, like, figure eight idea like to be like I'm a new director on the scene check out what I can do well, I had them made. Listen, I just really, we really worked out the scene there so I think that's one reason why it works really well Robert Longstreet is an amazing crazy dude and the other crazy dude that you will see throughout this whole movie is Lakeith Stanfield. Um, you see it in his eyes. Not just that he's crazy, but that he's vulnerable and that he's open to what's happening. And I needed someone like this to take us on this journey. Robert Longstreet, I saw him in a movie called Thou What Smiled and Lovely and just knew I had to have him. Stick to the script. Stick to the script. Stick to the script. And yeah, those are those stupid slogans we see. This font is created by J. Otto Seabold. I had this font before we even had the movie. He's a good friend of mine. That's Tessa Thompson. That's Lakeith Stanfield. Tessa Thompson. Watch this. Lakeith Stanfield. See how that works? And... I'm not going to tell you who that is. And this is, although that the actor in the picture is Kay Bacante, who took the coup's first publicity photos. I really needed this to be a movie that uh, 
we highlighted the humanity in the characters. And for me, one missing part of the humanity in, in characters, um, and especially in, in when people of color are portrayed, is um, they're the idea of um, them thinking of themselves in the context of the world, in the context of time and space. You know, something that people would call, you know, having an existential crisis in his case. Um, but I thought that it made him more human. This room, um, actually I'd seen a picture of Bob Marley's room on a documentary. And I took a screenshot of that picture and it was like, this is Cassius's room. And it really represents the beautiful clutter we were trying to get with this whole movie. Production designer Jason Kisvarde really did a great job. Um, that's my boy Tyranny's house, right around the corner from my house. I uh, just knocked on his door, said, we need your house. He said, it's cool. We uh, got his wife a uh, couple days at a spa, and it was all good. All of these flyers and pictures, they're all stuff that means stuff to people, and I think that's why this, this works. You try part-time. That's actually a picture from prison that was made into a hotel in the Netherlands. Worry-free. It's a program takes care of all your needs, right? Cash, baby. Where did I pay you? I think it's just commission. Hey, baby. This was actually like the first or second scene that we shot in the movie. Are you crazy? And the chemistry between Lakeith and Tessa is awesome. Nice theory. Also designed by J. Otto Seabold. So this is a great scene uh, for two reasons. One, Terry Crews. Uh, there's a somewhat of a reveal unless you've seen the trailer. Um, and then, two, uh, Terry Crews is an awesome actor. And then watch this, what Lakeith does right here with his finger. He should be pointing at Terry, but instead he bends his finger slightly. And that's just one of the little details that make us feel Cassius as a person, as a human being. Terry Crews is someone who, he, he is a very inspiring guy. He's very full of life. He got behind this project when he really didn't have to and um, came and gave it his full force, gave a lot of energy and brought Sergio to life. This car is definitely uh, based on one of the Coos songs. Uh, My car is better than your shoes, but it's also just based on a lot of cars that I've had in my life. Yeah, a lot of people thought I should cut this scene out. Those are homeless camps in Oakland. 
We didn't have to build those. We had fun making those billboards. Got two of my kids in that, two of my nephews. Uh, football team, a fun, fun bunch. Various shots riding around West Oakland and downtown. This, it was hard on this day building that lobby. Um, we only had one side of it ready at one time, and so we could only shoot in one direction at a time. Make sure that thousands of calls can go out and in at the same time. The, this was just straight built out of nothing. And uh, Jason Kisvarde and crew, which that is Jason Kisvarde. Hal Jameson is our production designer, Jason Kisvarde. And... Um, uh, they really outdid themselves. We worked from pictures of the cubicles in Tron. This is the closest we could get with the space that we had. You might even be able to be a power caller. A power caller. This guy, Michael X. Summers, he uh, actually lived only a few blocks away from where we were shooting, so he's technically a local hire. But I have a feeling that by the time you guys see this DVD, he will be known way more than locally. He really brought a cool energy to this. Again, picture of someone. And I really wanted to be able to show an emotion. I wanted to take the audience through the same emotions that Cassius is going through. And I figured that if I did it visually, we wouldn't just be understanding what emotions he's having. We feel it with him. Again, the papers in the background. Well, not again. The papers in the background are ones that uh, I wanted to use to, to make us feel the frustration that's happening with Cassius and... Uh, I think I got a lot of that idea from, like, the Mir Costa Rica films where they'll have, like, just a whole flock of geese going by, filling up the whole frame out of nowhere and kind of adding to the chaos. And so all of this is this beautiful clutter from just these pictures, which is our neighbor's house, and then um, to the stuff that we created. It's, um, it's, the it's, chaos that's happening, not only in the story, but visually with the production design. And in Cassius's mind and face, and those papers add a lot to it. This cut is something I figured out right then when we were shooting that scene was I, I figured out that we could do that with him um, saying, you're going to just eat all those fries, so we changed this scene later to fit it. Hey. That's that dude from that show. Hey. Oh, shit. Hey. That's fucking cool. I hate that show. 
Wait, I never noticed that uh, room. What, what is that? Yeah, this is uh first time we really get to, we, we start to meet Sal, and that's Jermaine Fowler, an amazing comedian who, uh, this was his first movie, and uh, he really killed it on this. The VIP room, um, I described it in the script as 10 by 10 and didn't re realize till it was time to shoot it that 10 by 10 was too big. This was supposed to be a much smaller thing. So as soon as he stepped in, we should have seen how small it was, but we made the scene work anyway. That's some baller shit. Hey, Mr. Uh, D. Emmett's cash screen here. Sorry to bother. Really grateful to have worked with Danny Glover on this. Danny Glover and my father actually uh, went to San Francisco State together. They were part of the 1968 uh, student strike at San Francisco State that created the first uh, school or department of ethnic studies in the United States. So uh, have been knowing Danny the longest out of all of the cast. He really, like everyone on here, came and took it seriously. And I think um, it really, uh, I, I, I can't speak for Lakeith, but I've heard him say that he was really in awe of Danny as he was working with. This scene is really interesting because I, when I wrote the monologue that Danny is saying here, I had no idea that I would take it to the point of it being an overdubbed white voice. Only when I, after I wrote it that I realized that's where it had to go. You've never been fired. <laughs> Only laid off. It's not really a white voice. It's what they wish they sounded like. So it's like what they think they're supposed to. It was better, uh, you know, for me to bend to reality, to put my ideas of contextualizing what was happening than to have, have it be explained. Uh, and so that's how I started going down the rabbit hole of this being this fantastical, absurdist movie, because I didn't know that that's what it was going to be when I started out writing it. And we all have been through stuff like this, these bullshit pep talks where someone's, they're, they're trying to get you excited about making them money. And there's always bad pizza. And then you tag it. Okay. Uh, I, I just, I feel like these metaphors have not been cleared for this. Now, this is Kate Berlant. I had been walking, wanting to work with her for a while as I was writing it. I didn't really know what she would do, but... Um, this is kind of really 
this character is kind of really in the wheelhouse where I knew that she could kill it. Uh, there was a point where we were going to have to hire local a local actor for this instead of bringing her in. And I was just like, I will, I will bring her in myself because she's amazing. And um, so certain part of this was written, but the funny stuff like what she's doing right now with her hands, that's that's just her. And she is. No. You got to check out her stuff. Just look up Kate Berlant and you'll never go back. Once once you go Kate, you'll never go straight. All kinds of media, digital, paper, otherwise. Media's changing. So it's capital. Get with it. I don't want to scare you, but it's a new world. Okay, team members. Let's uh, thank you very much and let's all get back to work. Remember. And obviously we're doing, we're showing Steven Yeun, so... Um, most people will be like, oh, they're showing Steven Yeun, so he must be a character in this movie. Um, and he is. He is um, Squeeze, someone who would be known as Assault. And Assault is someone who gets a job at a place uh, with the purpose of organizing the workers and uh, Stephen talked to a number of folks who had, had experienced salting in order to create this character people call me cash it's a really good question what about us getting paid I I really like what he did with squeeze and that was improvised about the uh, the machine about it not being free. Um, uh, so there's a lot of stuff in here that was cool that we kept in that happened before the dialogue was supposed to start. I like this thing that's about to happen. Your energy to jump things off. Yeah, look, I gotta get back to work, man. This uh, reverse that's all, folks. See, I don't know the, I don't know what the... It's on me. That that wipe, I call a reverse, that's all, folks, because I don't know real terminology. That was the thing on the set. I don't know. the and I, Even in music, I don't know the real terminology. I don't. I, I'm not going to stuff my brain with those words. That was Giant Burgers, the sign she was in front of, which is very much a Bay Area thing. Squeeze. Squeeze. Uh, he works with us at Regal View. Squeeze Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. That's cool. My parents wanted me to have an American. This is another uh, scene that uh, we shot in the labs, and so um, I knew from the labs that something that that I was concerned about before we started shooting was keeping the pacing right on this. Um, so that it, it, we felt a certain energy happening in the car with them. And once we started shooting, I realized I had nothing to worry about with this group of folks. That was a cheap joke right there, but I think it worked on a number of levels because we needed to see those football players again. Baby, can we please not talk about the sun exploding tonight? And... She switches it from one 
cool song from the soundtrack to the other cool song from the soundtrack. This is a world in which um, the whole world listens to this one album, which is the soundtrack to Sorry to Bother You. You can wipe my ass out. <laughs> and that is from a story from my mother. Um, her, she would tell me this story about her and her boyfriend taking these long trips and the windshield wipers didn't work and they didn't, um, they used string. Her boyfriend, which is my older brother's father. Boom, I've had this scene happen in my life many times. Uh, this is actually footage from Occupy Oakland. Worry-free CEO Steve Lift was interviewed on Oprah today. No. Conclusively, no. Steve Lift, the sandals are important. Threats of physical violence. So therefore, the comparison to slavery is just ludicrous. And the war, the wardrobe, very, very cool, very liberal wardrobe there. Um, Deirdre Govan, our illustrious costume designer, uh, is actually footage from Greece. There's no employment for many people. Even sweatshops have been replaced by... Cynthia Rose, played by Indigo Jackson, who is also the voice you'll hear later on during the stop-motion animation. People had to do double duty on that. That's Jay Otto Sebo with the beard. That's Silky with the head wrap. She's in the coup. These are kind of, they, right here, this, this bar is the layover. And the woman serving the drinks at the beginning is uh, Christy, the owner of the layover. Spaghetti's Chinese. In the background, there's Lisa Aurora. Many of you guys won't even know these are just shout outs to people who are in there. To my esteemed Regal View associates, whom I we see some foreshadowing of some left eye uh, activists in, in back of Detroit. I'd like to dedicate this imbibing of intoxication. This is also a scene that we shot in the labs. It was interesting. We went through many ways of figuring out how to do the white voice. And uh, so we did it different times in different scenes. Sometimes we had uh, the actor just mouth the words without saying anything um, and have someone off screen read them. That's a scam. If you work hard enough as a front. Other times we had them actually just speak it and then overdubbed it later. And then sometimes we had them mouth the words without anyone reading it off screen. And that was the hardest part to sing to. And the best word off. It is the anchor to the slogan. So. so what's the point then? What you think I'm just supposed to work, eat, fuck, sleep? No, I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying. So this is Squeeze giving, giving his opening salvo to this group of folks. Uh, Ostensibly, he's been talking to other people at the telemarketing spot before this. Yeah, another reverse, that's all, folks. Wanted it to feel like a comic book the way that, it, I don't know if that makes sense, the pacing, feeling 
like a comic book and the way the different wipes that it, that we would have thought of as corny just a couple years ago um, because they were um, I wanted to use them that shirt that Tessa is wearing is a shirt that was passed from Joe Strummer to uh, Billy Bragg to me that's the green shirt and then the other shirt is you see what it says originally that cross was something that Sergio was supposed to be wearing but it, it we don't we only I only got to see it for the first time on the day of and it was way too big and it looked clownish with him wearing it you bring a chick home to your apartment it's clean it's stylish of course it is she's already all right now we get to see Cassius like getting into it really um it's fuck time you know what I mean yeah doing well and oh, yeah? starting to feel herself. Spin doctors. Classic. Tim, I want to chop it up more, but I got to get to my squash game. Was that Visa or MasterCard? I needed to show him really enjoying his success. And so I think maybe we have the first high five montage ever in cinema history. And if not, it's the best high-five montage in cinema history. We had, this was so fun, we wanted to keep shooting it, but we had to keep moving. Those two crazy dudes together, they need to do a series of movies um, together. The song playing under here, is the coos O-Y-A-H-Y-T-T. We needed that happy feeling in this movie right now. We needed it because there's a lot of crazy shit to come, and we need to know what Cassius uh, is getting out of this that's beyond just the money. Almost. PC baby power caller. Did you hear what he just said? Yeah, yeah, I heard him, man. He told me the exact same shit three months ago. So this next thing is uh, very Edgar Wrightish of me, but I'm down to steal from people. I don't care. Let's make a good movie. That's I, Dummy. Very well-known turf dancer in the Bay Area. Um, there was a line that we had to cut out where he uh, Cassius orders a Long Island iced tea neat. I wish we had the time for it. Just imagine him ordering that right there. You see, 150 million people watch this every night. That game show um, is, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's un impossible to uh, happen very soon. It's not that far off from what happens. Right here, I just wanted to, oh yeah, this thing. Yeah, I really have, really want to talk about what that is, but I don't. 
Anyway, there are a lot of details in this movie that um, have to do with uh, how mysterious life is. And you don't always get the answers, so I'm not going to answer you about that. Um, maybe it has something to do with Danny Glover and who he is and why he knows so much. So that line that he just said, I'm too old for this shit, I didn't even think about it as being one of his classic lines until I was in the edit. Uh, because I had that line there before he was cast in the role. More like apples and the Holocaust. This was one of my favorite moments, uh, just to shoot with all the, the coordination that we did and all the, the, the pieces, the smoke happening, the tires, the sound of the bicycles and the, the bicycles going past, and um, football players there. So all the elements just felt messy in a way that I don't normally see. And that, that was a big thing that we were going for was some sort of mess. And along with this moment with... Who invited you? Cassius in Detroit. The the painting that you see on a lot of uh, Detroit's clothing is by Omiru, um, who also did the artwork that you see later in Detroit's uh, what do you call it in her gallery. The earrings. Um, the other earrings, the costume designer made this earring. Production design department made it. And um, that guy is actually the guitar player in the coup. Grego Simmons. Our producers, Jonathan Duffy. Walden Books in Oakland. This was the only homeless uh, stuff that we built, was that part that exists right there. This part came out really good because we had we had to be moved from the other spot we we were having so we we originally wanted to do i wanted to make it look like nwa on this like the album cover for nwa so we'd be from down below looking at them up above and it didn't work out because of where we had to be it just didn't look compositionally there was nothing behind it there weren't weren't the things and so um we came up with this, like, right before, which was, you know, these wipes. Fast pan, the camera. 
Is anyone not down? Combined with wipes, because we only nah, shot pieces of the crowd at once. Yeah, um, uh, one for all, all for one. Hey, I brought all types of weapons. And that, <laughs> and that was a, uh, that that was uh, Jermaine. This was actually Jermaine and Stephen impro improvising. People don't know that Stephen uh, did improv early on. This is something um, which is an homage to a Paul Schrader movie, or at least a shot in a Paul Schrader movie called Mishima. Um, there's a section called the Temple of the Golden Pavilion. And I wanted that same feeling for Cassius, that same sense of awe. Omari Hardwick. Thanks, Mr. Goldberg. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. By the way, Regal View Management! This is uh, you are here time. It's time for things to take off. Will not be overlooked. We had made that up. It was supposed to be originally like him putting the fingers to his head like his like he was mimicking a phone call, then putting it up and putting it down, but the actions got too complicated. The crowd got the, the the extras got really hyped during this part and got out of control. People started taking off their headsets and throwing it. it. Might not have been shots that we used, but people forgot that this was. They were making uh, they were making you know everybody that was playing management feel bad because they were shooting a lot of hate their way. Production design in this office, I didn't talk about it, right? but if you notice in the back of Cassius's head, it goes from light to dark yellow, and that is more noticeable early on. <laughs> Pack up your shit and get out. Well, fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you. What? Fuck you. I just realized there's a lot of fuck yous in this movie. That's cool. There's a lot of fuck yous in life. Great news. Great motherfucking news. Great motherfucking news. Power caller. Yeah, we just got the call. They think you're A1 material. This was a scene that really got a lot of reworking um, as I was writing it because... Strong, intelligent power call. We had to make, I had to make you understand why he might make the choices he does. All their issues are down here, not up there. Two very different kinds of telemarketing. And I think uh, what's interesting about when you're writing, you're not thinking about how much the actor will bring to it. So a lot of the job was done by Cassius, I mean by Lakeith. Uh, yeah, I have a couple band members in that group of football players. 
Maybe you're right. The big money. The top fucking tier of telemarketing. Making history with legends like Hal Jameson. Badass. And everything on in this after the champagne pop is improvised. A lot of times I just didn't yell cut. Just to see where it went. 90% of the time it was something we didn't want to use, but here it gave us a moment that we really needed in this film, which is right about here. All the improvising we did on the other, other scenes that we didn't use paid off with having that moment. <laughs> wow, you really are ready, aren't you? Hey, Misty, yeah. Wow. Oh, okay, well, let's do this, motherfucker. This scene was one that we were rewriting as we were shooting it and just trying different stuff, and we got it down to something. And this was something where I just said, compliment him on his pink shirt and give me a statistic about it. Men who wear pink are more likely to start a franchise. And uh, it yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> wow, damn. It's crazy. Oh, wow. sorry. The elevator was something that went through many, many different uh, iterations on paper. Um, there was a version with a fireplace in it and all that kind of stuff. So we just had to have the right balance of possible and impossible or possible and ridiculous. Um, like this, uh, these, uh, this code is one of those ridiculous details that I think fill up our lives that end up being funny in a way that I'm not used to seeing. Voice here is Rosario Dawson. She uh, came on after it was already done, did this, and she's been a really big promoter of this movie, even though this is all she did. Does it do that every time? Welcome to the power-calling suite, Mr. Green. White voice at all times, here. Yes, I, uh, almost forgot. Now that, those series of lights are the reason why I was okay with settling with this location. This was another last-minute location change, and it really worked. Um, the look of, uh, Mr. Whatever we want to call him, Omari Hardwick's character, um, is something that was a series of back and forth and negotiations. I, f I found the uh, eye patch and suggested it. Deirdre Govan really wanted him to have a bowler hat, and I gave in on that. And then at the last minute, Omari was like, oh, I want to have sideburns like you have so i was like all right so it came up with this look that is really out there but i think we needed 
this sort of a out there guy for Mr. Blake. Williams, another one of the producers. He fell. He didn't sue us. So the worry-free uh, production workspace is uh, very much influenced by uh, manufactured landscapes, the documentary that beautifully shows uh, some terrible workspaces. Okay, but see, I don't know uh, if I can... Sugar on top, white voice. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I don't know if I'm going to be able to... <laughs> Here's the starting salary. And again, this was the other spot that behind caches that made me be okay with using the location we used. Just this shot, knowing we'd have this, that shot. <laughs> Hey, baby, what's your sign? Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. <sighs> Yo, that was crazy yesterday. That was like that scene at an overrate. You know the one where she's like on the table? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some beautiful uh, graffiti all throughout Oakland. Beautiful artwork of all kinds. You guys didn't know that Stephen Yoon could do this. He trained for six months. <laughs> okay, bravo. Where'd you learn how to do that? No, that actually was a, uh, he's credited in the credits. You can look him up, but that was a, uh, the, the world champion sign twirler. Trouble's already there. Just help folks fix it. Yeah, that's what I do with my art, too. Uh, What's happening here is an important debate about art and organizing. So, how's it work with? Uh, but kind of got cut down into um, a couple lines because, you know, what's more important is people not getting. Um, bored of the scene and the conversation so we made this into a scene that uh really worked but if you read the script that came out on mcsweeney's you'll see there was a longer conversation that maybe only artists and organizers would care about so i'm not talking to y'all with this movie i am but you get it you look like you're done here if you need a ride. Nah, cash is on the way. But thank you. Nice work. We filmed a lot of this movie in like a two mile radius of itself. So a lot of people that are from that really know Oakland might be like why is she getting in a car 
to go over to the, where her gallery spot is. Hal Jameson again. I love this music that's right here. The music, let's talk about the music. Um, the music is done by Tune Yards, the, as far as the, uh, the, the score, which is all the stuff that the characters can't hear. Except for the one song, O-Y-A-H-Y-T-T. And I worked with Meryl Garbus and Nate Brenner, Tune Yards, since before I was in the labs, before I was in the director's lab. Started going back and forth on uh, music for the scenes. And they've been down and they really came through and gave this a unique and original score. Baby, this is beautiful and big. Africa. This artwork here is uh, by Omiru, O-M-I-R-O-O. And uh, except for the, uh, the statues, statues were something that the uh, art department made so that it could help with the story later on. Hopefully you're not watching this before you watch the movie. I wanted to talk about a life shaped by exploitation, about fighting for a say in our own lives, about how truly love and laughter thrive in a I think right now uh, Cassius feels the way a lot of people feel when um, Folks are really deeply explaining something that that they politically really care about, but um, is not as connected. That the other person is not as connected to. Uh, yes. Okay. Listening now. <laughs> Capitalism in Africa is booming. I'm done talking. Okay. I just want to marinate in this. So many scenes in this movie that I was asked to cut. That's one, definitely one of them. Uh, without it, Detroit would have been much flatter. Good the other day, right? It's good, man. Like I've known y'all my whole life, you know. Don't forget that, okay? Remember each other's faces. Cassius, what's up, man? Where you been? What's up with the suit? I got promoted. Uh, that's my father that in the hat. Are you a manager now? That means I'm a power caller now. About to be this paid. scene right here is um, the other scene that I knew uh, that I would have in the movie. Uh, and it's because uh, it happened to my little brother, Manuel. And, and not the context of uh, him getting a promotion, but just the compliment argument thing. And this was a hard one to make work. Uh, and I, I was getting nervous as they were rehearsing it as when we were setting up for the scene. Uh, because to get that tone that we got here uh, is is like walking on a tightrope. You don't want it 
to be obvious between those two actors that they are trying to be funny. It doesn't work that way. It will work for some people, but not for me. Um, so the first couple lines were written. The rest of it was improvised. Uh, Steven Yun's face is a big part of why this scene is funny. It's on me. No, it's on me now. Yeah, it's on me now. Yeah, it's on me. Yeah, it's on me. They really pulled it off. It took a lot of takes to get that one. And, and not a lot of takes because of anything except for it was a tone that we hadn't really seen before or a thing that we had never really seen before. Greetings, Cassius Green. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. I detect the pheromones percolating out of your pores. They say to others around you, hold my penis while I piss on your underestimated Again, expectations. Rosario Dawson. Green, I am the computer. Coming with it. There was a whole elevator malfunctioning scene in that part that we cut out. There was this whole uh, interrogation scene that uh, we didn't shoot. That came up in that one. Look, cut that out. 2 p.m. Almost breakfast time in Japan. Oh, okay. Uh, doodly 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 doo. Muzzy muzzy. Mr. Song, Cassius Green, a worry-free calling. Sorry to bother you. I'm calling about who is assembling your phone. Now, I know they're being made in China. I'm a big and I didn't say it before, but David Cross is doing Lakeith's voice. David, David Cross is doing Cassius's voice. And Pat Oswalt is doing Mr. You'll Blank's voice. I will say Mr. Blank, but that's not how you spell it. <laughs> the power callers, our very own Cassius Green, just made our client worry-free upwards of $10 million in one call on his first day, nonetheless. Oh, it's not that Indeed, much. one for the history books. Cheers. <laughs> Excuse me for a second. What could I do for you, chum? Yes, I have a question. This next scene coming up. And don't ask me about Mr. Blank's apple. But this next scene coming up is maybe one of my favorite sequences in the movie. One of them. The red to the red. The guy, you know, look at uh, Terry's buff wife, like he's buff. Um... Some of these things, very simple things, but just put it, put it, putting them together in a way that feels like a reveal and having a rhythm to it. And obviously helped out by the amazing music that Tune Yards has for this. Boom, had the Sheets cut, threw that on, boom, boom, then the 
bed gets wider. There was another move that we just couldn't pull off, which was the wall of the other place being here and then getting pulled back. We just weren't able to make it work. Maybe I shouldn't have told you that, but I just want to be real with you. Because this came out really good. That's Damien Gallegos, uh, who co-produced the soundtrack with me and co-produced the last Coup album with me. It's a funny dude in real life. This was the scene yesterday at the Regal View telemarketer strike. The striking Regal View workers are joined by other telemarketers, phone operators, and university students from all over the area. After a long day of hearty ass work, you feel me? We ready to eat. This is where we get I think that if there was a worry-free, there probably would be, you know, some sort of show like this trying to make you feel like it was normal. That's lyrics born. What do we want? We want enough money to pay. And that's Steven Young. Really like this scene myself. I always kept telling Lakeith that he's really good at watching TV. Like, you can keep the camera on him watching TV, and you you feel a certain way. Yeah, that's. I always wonder if people recognize that that's Cassius in the red suit. That's why we put him in the red suit. Although that red suit was awesome, and I always kind of got put in that right then, and I didn't see how awesome it was. We didn't have time to change him because he really should have been going through most of the movie in that red suit. Hey, baby. Good morning. You live and you learn. Oh, please no! Stop with that stupid voice, Cassius. <clears throat> Didn't even realize I was doing it. <laughs> That's a problem, you know. Um. So at one point, at the Sundance Labs, I was talking to this guy, Kareem Ainus, and he was an advisor. And he said to me, you know, I really love your lead character. I really love Cassius. I want to take care of him. I want to have a drink with him. I want to hang out with him. I want to hug him. And he said, uh, that's how I know it's bullshit. Because I hate everybody. And what? And we, we ended up having this two or three hour conversation about people in our lives and what caused them to make different decisions and how they were about it. And I realized that up until that point, I had had all the same things happening in the script, 
but I had it all happening to Cassius. Um, I had him like a pinball that was getting slapped around. And that conversation made me change the script and, and give him agency and make him make the choices and be proud of the choices that he made. Because that's more true to life. You know, yeah, we, we've, we do think about those things and have hang-ups about them. But very often, um, people make the choices they think they're supposed to make and then dig in their heels more when they get, you know, challenged on it. And I, the first scene that changed was this, this scene. I'm cold. You're being greedy. This apartment is my boy Victor Kali's apartment. He gave it to us for free. We're in there for two days. Amazing dude, which also happened to be an art gallery, so. You know, it's his house, but he also uses it as an art gallery, so we didn't have to do much to it. Cassius, the old you was way more interesting. If you go to work today, a ring of you crossing the picket line, we're done. Boom. Yeah, that one was hard. Um, there's violence on all sides in this because it's the way the world is. And if you are going to have a strike, only way it's going to work is if you don't let scabs in. Um, and the other side knows this too. So there's violence on all those sides. Let's give it up for the boy Wonder! That line was improvised by the Keith. Her art show is called The New Fuck You which is the title of a Street Sweeper Social Club song, which is Street Sweeper Social Club is a group with me and Tom Morello. Right here, this is a beautiful work of lighting by our lighting guy, Drew Nelson. And this scene coming up right here, or this thing that happens, is basically kind of, uh, I got the idea for this in the script because uh, we used to go and fight the Nazis. And I, I mean, the literal Nazis. We also fought wh white supremacists, but there were neo-Nazis, I guess literal neo-Nazis, and they would come and have rallies. And one time they were having a rally in Union Square in the early 90s, and um, me and some friends took a bunch of cans and shook them up. Look at the artwork on his wall versus the graph on the other wall. It's making a statement. There's all sorts of little statements in the production design that we do. Hmm. 
Steve Lift, throwing his yearly party. This magazine is also another cool thing that our department made up. The, a great photo shoot with Army Hammer that yielded some other pictures that uh, we didn't get to use that were nevertheless great. This music playing right here is not on the being released on the initial soundtrack, um, but possibly we may release the rest of the soundtrack. Um, maybe it'll come out with this DVD. Who knows? I realize you were asking about a specific Tessa Thompson being overdubbed by Lily James. And that's actually Victor Kali that she was just talking to, who owned the spot. Um, in this movie, the extras are all friends and family, and I, it's just good that I have a lot of friends and family in Oakland. Um, and that way, they could be directed more. Her earrings, you're going to have to fight your own damn war. Thank you for coming. I wouldn't miss this for the world. You always know just what to say, huh? I literally just said that. I hope you stay. Yo, is the reason why you don't call me no more is because you're a sellout or because you're just a star? What are you talking about? 11 million views, man. The, the space that this is in is the old best music. Uh, if people didn't understand that, that's Indigo Jackson again as Cynthia Rose. Uh, but the old best music in Oakland, which is, uh, was a place that was the place you had to come to get instruments. And uh, it closed down some years ago, so it's really cool that we were able to use it as the gallery. Um. Welcome, friends. A bunch of her left eye friends in yellow. Tonight, we will have a transformative experience. In those containers, all uh, amazing artists that are in the left eye thing, Bay Area artists, in either visual or uh, music ways. This, her outfit right here is, is an homage to Prince itself right here. There's a lot of little Prince things in this movie. Cynthia Rose, the earrings, this. It's like Dirty Mind right here. Movie entitled The Last Dragon. I will recite those lines that Angela says to Eddie Arcadian as she leaves him. Let's begin. The Last Dragon was a very important uh, movie to me. I remember watching it in a theater that we picked specifically because we, the movies that we used to like to watch were where we picked crowds where there were funny people in it. We would look for those crowds. And in high school, we went to see The Last Dragon. 
in one of those theaters, which was called the Parkway. Not the new Parkway, but the old Parkway, I guess, on Park Boulevard down near East 18th. And uh, I remember there's a scene in there with uh, with uh, with Shownuff at the at the theater in there where I thought that that theater was just an exaggerated version of the theater we were watching the movie in. The guy that just threw that last balloon was Gadinji Waimbire, who also goes by Omiru, the artist that did the Africas. This was a hard scene for everybody in the room to um, watch. Stick to the script. Don't you have a party to get to, Cash? Go. Go, Cash. Some people don't know that her voice was overdubbed in that part because even though Lily James has a British accent, the timbre of her and Tessa's voices are very similar. And in the end, Eddie. Yeah, um, Army is a fool for that. Um, he had to sign a waiver in order to do that scene. Well, I guess you're all wondering why I've called this meeting. Originally, that line, I guess you're all wondering why we called this meeting, was a recurring bad joke that uh, came up. It was a joke that my father would always do, and so I put it all throughout the thing, but just realized it wasn't as funny to everybody, but it really worked right there. Look at the woman that just fell down back there. That was funny. Um, that was real, though. It worked. Look at the the. Ah, uh, yeah. How you doing, man? You all right? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you for inviting The uh, wallpaper. I mean, it's not wallpaper. The tapestry on the walls right there. Steve. I never said Steve. Pretty damn crazy. Sir. This place is called Spring Mansion in Berkeley that we use. You can call me whatever you want. You keep closing those deals. You must be like a a fucking genius. In this part. What Army is doing here, what Steve Lift is doing, is looking at is looking at different parts of Cassius's body in between his sentences and deciding whether Cassius could kill him with it or not. Like a cunning raccoon, or like a snake, or like a tardigrade. Thanks. Go, I'll lock up. I told you you didn't have to do oh, that. It's my really. pleasure. It's good. We're about to come up to one of the most stupidly controversial scenes in the movie. There's people that were more, not not everybody, but some pe- the people that didn't like this were more mad about this happening than they were about Cassius selling slaves. Great. All right, she can tell me later. But fuck them. 
That's a joke. Whatever. I mean, everybody has different opinions. We'll talk about it more. Bloody body of my now inconveniently deceased guy, right? And just as I get this thing out, I spin around and this fucking. So this constant critique of art and implying myself in it as well. Fucker took two mags to the head. Turn that bitch into a trophy. What about yeah, um, Omari Hardwick took that Rhino after the thing as his rap present. So he has it apparently in his living room. Come on. I want to hear about some of that Oakland gangster shit, man. Oaktown. Just right here? Just yeah. sit down. Well, uh, luckily. Very proud of uh, this scene and the way it looks. By the way, of course, the way this looks is so much to do with Doug Emmett and his, you know, his amazing, uh, I keep using the word amazing because it's so, so used, but anyway, his very skillful and thoughtful way of I think you should rap. Framing rap, something. Rap, and rap, often rap, we'd have back and forth, rap, and uh, rap, rap, he'd just one-up whatever idea I had. It was good. It was like cranking the thing up, the idea up that I had, and being like, well, look, if we just pull it a little bit more this way, that was, that'd be cool. Now, this scene, when I originally wrote the movie, uh, I mean, the movie, when I got to this scene, because I took the journey with Cassius, I didn't know exactly everything that was going to happen. I thought that this would be his turning point. And when I wrote it, I realized it didn't make sense for it to be his turning point. But it was funny. I mean, things that are painful are also really funny. I think that contradiction and irony and pain are very much related. And, and 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 comedy, of course. Um, so, you know, some people were saying that they were feeling weird about laughing about this, but you know, um, in Richard Pryor's Prior Convictions, he starts off each chapter with one of his hilarious comedy bits, and. That's the first page. The rest of it is all the painful, crazy stuff that he went through. The stuff that might make you cry to read it. That created that comedy bit. This shot, we, uh... If you look at it, you'll see the sun is coming up. Which kind of works, kind of makes sense, but... Um, we had to go, we had, we had to rap, and the sun was coming up, so we only had two takes of this. And we put out a call for people who were down to get naked and be in a sex scene. But in the Bay Area, you're not just gonna find people that are already ready to go but we did. Go through that big ass for you. 
go through the door next to the stairs, go down the other stairs, hang a left, go to the end of the hallway, then make a right. You'll see it. Big magenta colored doors at the end of the hallway. This was important that we waited till now to have uh, Mr. Blank finally speak. It's what he says is his philosophy, which is a lot of people's philosophy about why they're doing what they're doing and not helping to change the way things are. It's a natural thing to come to that conclusion if you have no idea that there's a movement that can actually do something. of uh, UC Berkeley might actually recognize these hallways as the faculty lounge. Not the faculty lounge, the, yeah, is it the faculty lounge, the faculty club. We uh, shot 61 locations in 28 days on this movie. So we were moving fast. Heads up. There was originally much more that was supposed to go into this office. I think, and but we did not have the time uh, and ran out of money to do some of the things I wanted to do. But I think we got the perfect I'm out. Done. You are rolling with uh, fuck it. Next time you watch it, watch it while noticing the paintings that are behind him. Ah, fuck. <laughs> Is it strong? We actually oh, sold yeah. those plates I online. For you cash. I want to listen to your proposition, Stevie. I want you at worry-free. I see something in you. I think that you are more than just the world's greatest telemarketer since Hal Jameson. You know what, that's um, very interesting. Army's idea for his, I want to talk about the fangs on his beard is supposed to be uh, <laughs> mimicking his agent. Well, I don't know who it is. Army's only like 31 years old, but in here he's kind of table older. So, like I said, originally, I thought that the performance, the rap performance, would be his turning point. But I realized in a world where there's literal slave labor being sold, and he's one of the people selling them, and that, that slave labor is accepted in the world, how could that be his turning point? Oh, they're racist, and that's enough? No, I realized... Uh, he, we, he needed something to shake him to his mortal core 
to make him see who he was, because that's what the, the rap performance scene was supposed to do, was to make him see who he was. And this is also supposed to be someone, something to make him see who he was, but in a way that shook him out of that world enough for him to see. And so as I decided to write this, I really asked myself, are you really going to do this? And I was like, yep. I knew that it had to be done right or it would seem like a joke. So we got Amalgamated Dynamics Incorporated. Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis, the ones who did the creature effects for Alien vs. Predator to do it. And actually, Tom Woodruff, who was an alien in Alien vs. Predator, was in the suit for this one. It's actually just uh, one suit with four different heads and different, we sh shifted around the, the, the hair patches and the uh, tattoos to make them, and, and then shaded them different to make them seem different. And uh, Tom Woodruff is in all of them. I would say that all of these characters are like me in certain ways and definitely this is the way Steve Lift is like me. I like to uh, force my friends to watch movies they don't want to watch. There's a lot of production value in this. This is not actually done by Michelle Dongri or Michelle Gondry. It is done by Ree Crawford and David Lauer. Two folks that uh, do stop motion animation um, a lot of times for Tippett Studios, but this they did on their own. And um, my involvement was in the animatic stage. Um, I, I, I worked with them uh, back and forth on the animatic, which is the drawing of all of the, the drawing version of all of this stuff, which is slightly animated in the computer. Um, and while we were actually shooting, uh, this was being shot. And they did this in just a couple weeks after after the animatic, after, after the stuff was, the, the, cre the, the things were made. So it's not, some people thought it was claymation. It's not actually claymation. Uh, they molded the figures. Um, in the script, it's pretty, uh, a lot of the stuff is uh, written in there. Um, we did obviously edit stuff down so they would have less work to do. Yeah, these are actual, they, they poured um, into the molds and made figures around wire, uh, around wire frames that could be posed. So you making half human, half horse fucking things for some reason i love that yeah, picture of lakeith with his hands open i just didn't open. want you to think i was crazy that i was doing this for no reason because this isn't irrational oh cool all right cool no i understand i just i just gotta leave now man so please get the fuck out of my way so finish the movie 
Call me about that next week, please, and then we'll, we'll talk about Sit it. Sit in that chair, and we're going to watch this movie. And then I'm going to make you a proposal. Yeah, again. Come on. I really relate to uh, me trying to get people to watch movies and they really don't understand how important the movie is. I'm going to show them. It works for 70% of humans who take the fusing catalyst. of the other thing pretty ma much had to match frame by frame frame for frame so that they could do it right what the, what the fuck was that wait what what did i snort because I'm, I'm not even fucking hot you're not what no, huh? wait 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 no 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 i don't give a fuck about that anymore all right i don't give a fuck about that shit if you have me snort some shit that's, that'll have me mutated man I'm this scene here is actually one that we did in the labs too so it was that that was really good to do uh kind of to test it out even with other actors to kind of get a sense of where you thought you were going to have to keep it going at where you thought you were going to need to um, invent ways to make it interesting visually is because your adrenaline is pumping so hard right now that to be perfectly honest you're starting to harsh both of our mellows okay so sit down and just um, take that was an interesting discussion because it used to be harsh your buzz just breathe. he changed it to harsh your mellow um okay and harsh both of our mellows it was it's something he asked for that I gave in on that I think he was right about. It was a little funnier that way. I don't know, because we didn't say harsh my butt, harsh your buzz, so who knows. I'm going to have millions of They're going to form their own society. They'll probably form their own culture. Then maybe they want to organize. Maybe they want to rebel. And that's why we need someone on the inside who represents worry freeze. I like how he's about to say interests and changes it to needs. Um, and you kind of see how someone is thinking. Again, beautiful, chilling score by Tune Yards happening right here. I mean, it's all the scores by Tune Yards, but yeah, keep shit simple. Well, why the fuck did you choose me? Out of everybody you could have chose, why did you pick me? For what? Cash, cash. You... This was a shot I knew was in the movie when I wrote it. I've never seen anyone go through the ranks at Regal View like you did. Hmm? And I want someone like that at Worry Free. Someone it's kind of symmetrical. Kind of, this is probably like the most Wes, An Wes Anderson shot we have in the movie. Now look, I can see that you're freaked out and that you want to say no. But I wouldn't do that before you see what I'm offering you. No, man. No, no. There's no fucking amount of money that'll make me do that shit. Two things. One, it's a short-term contract. Five years, done. 
Then we give you the diffuser antidote special sauce serum. Yeah, that diffuser antidote special sauce serum, that was something that was hard for people to remember. You're gonna have a horse cock. What the fuck is a special antidote sauce serum? What the, f it sounds like you made that shit up, man. That shit ain't real. No, it's real. So is my offer. Five years as our man amongst horses for $100 million. Just go sleep on it, okay? And after that, holla at your boy, okay? Get out in that party and go fuck something. This is the cathedral building in Oakland, which is where their apartment is. We were lucky to get this spot because it's such a well-known spot. Again, you stay on Lakeith's face and it's so expressive, but in ways that aren't nor aren't very normal for other actors. Um, a lot of what he does is just making sure that he is emotionally there. He's not making sure that his face looks a certain way and that he emotes a certain thing. That's not what he's doing, which um, I don't know. I've never directed a play, but I imagine that often is what uh, theater actors might be doing on stage because you have to do that a little bit more. But he's just making sure that he's emotionally there and that, and then I think everything else comes from, from there. And so uh, he ends up emoting in a more natural way. What are you talking about? No, Cassius. Cassius Green. He's talking to Eric Arnold, who's an actual writer. There, and it's a, the ukulele actually. She's playing this character on there. my cell phone. In the strangest thing to happen in advertising history, Soda Cola has announced working with Cynthia Rose, the foul-mouthed heroine with perfect aim from the Cola and Smile Bitch YouTube clip. Rose reportedly signed for an amount of money that could buy four white babies. The strike breaker who was hilariously pegged this in that was, clip uh, has been revealed to be named That's Green. Gabby Lala, my no, baby no, mama. I got a little worried. You know, because I was looking at it maybe from up here, but that it might be different. Um, this bigger? guy was one of my doctors. And no, no, it's the same size. I mean, I'm glad. And again, that's a outfit. Uh, call you. A collaboration call between Deirdre Govan and Omi Rue. What is up with you, Cash? You called me at 3:23. You left a video message. I didn't check it because I assumed it was lewd as fuck, and I wasn't trying to do that. But... Can I see that? Homeru painted all over it. Matter of fact, because he's painting all the time, a lot of times his clothes end up looking exactly like that by accident. Where are they? Help us! Help us! Get back in there! Get in there! 
Um, I always thought we messed up when we showed her phone because I felt like Detroit's phone case would have been way more decorated than that. This, uh, the shots that happened here um, from longer away were really inspired, uh, looked for this shot because of uh, uh, some stuff in One from the Heart where they do, uh, in Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart, where they do a lot of stuff with reflection. Um, seeing that the shot doesn't look anything like One from the Heart, but it just gave me the idea of the ref reflection. We found this spot, which was right by the building. And um, this song right here is playing um, in the background has uh, me, Silky, who's also in the coup, and Janelle Monet. I still have problems with all of this. Only something happening to you turned you against them. Okay, but I know how they view me, how I look in the eyes of fucking worry-free and regal view. They just view me as another one of their fucking creatures to control. The lighting in this scene is very different from anything else in the movie, but it's also a mood that we haven't had in the movie. That doesn't change what I said about us. And also, I kind of messed around with somebody last night. What? What? What do you mean you kind of... I need you to explain that one because I don't understand. And right here is a shot of Lakeith's ass. But that shot was probably the quickest one that there was. There was one that was longer because I really felt like you have to see, like for it to feel real, you need to see people just bare as possible. But um, the other shots that took longer just didn't fit in here. Anyway. This is uh part where people are like, why did this happen? And um, the truth is, is that her dude that she was down with was totally against everything she was for all of a sudden and um, didn't and, and was selling slaves and came and interrupted her art show. She went for somebody that was way closer to what she was about. Tell Homeland Security we are the bomb. That's a quote from a coup lyric from the song The Magic Clap and also the title of a book of my lyrics. For those of you that maybe don't know, I am also the 
lead vocalist and producer of the crew. That's Mr. Fab rolling up, Mr. Fab, um, Bay Area legend. This was fun and interesting scene to shoot. Um, maybe first stunt. Cash is green from Ever Cola and Smile, bitch fan. I wanna be on your show tomorrow. Fake Cassius and Cynthia Rose. Today, YouTube sensation Cassius Green is here. You have 500 million people watch you get pegged in the noggin and get utterly humiliated. It was effing hilarious. The way your hand went up like that. <laughs> the whole world is laughing till he pissed. Well, I got a new clip that I need you to play. And the only reason I came on this show was because you agreed to show this clip to your 150 million viewers. Well, if you want some ass, you have to bring some ass. So get ready for an ass whooping, then jump in the shit tank. Then we'll play your clip. lot on the sound for that. That was the actual regular that saw folks. Okay, is it as crazy as the cola and a smile bitch clip? Not possible. It was crazy, Mary. It was fucking crazy. Woohoo! Let's roll the clip. Cake batter. We're hurting. We're hurting. You beautiful perversions, don't shut the fuck up. I will turn you all to glue. As a power caller for Regal, View Worry Free was my premier client. And this is just incontrovertible proof of Worry Free's evil practices. They're turning humans into grotesque horse people. And I want the world to know that, 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 that they're manipulating humanity for the sake of profit. Now, we cannot let this go on. You have to call You know, a lot of times the idea in movies is if you expose the problem, that's the end of it. Like, the end of it is, wow, they expose the problem, then, in, you know, most movies, Steve Liff would be going off to jail because of it. But that's not, I don't believe that's how it works in the real world. So, it didn't happen like that in this world. And, you know, that's also the conversation about art. A lot of times, um, the idea with an artist is, I'm doing my job, I'm exposing the bullshit. And uh, that's not enough. You gotta connect with folks, at least connect with folks that are uh, trying to make some material changes in the situation and that are organizing. Everybody can't just be like, saying what the problem is, and that includes artists. 
if you are an artist and you just expose what the problem is, um, you don't even know the exact right problem to expose. You don't even know the question that folks are having. As Squeeze talks about here, people know what the problem is. But if all we're doing is saying what the problem is, but not connecting it to how we can change stuff, then we're just adding to it. We're, we're just proving the point to the powers that be that, yeah, there's a lot of problems and you can't do anything about it. Um, but the key is to have a way to change things. And if you don't have them, join with folks that are um, actively trying to do those things. You see that shit? What the fuck is that about? What the fuck, man? That's what I'm talking about. And with mass organizations. Spring Mansion. Strikers here at the Regal View Strike will tell us why they're all wearing their cola and smile bitch wigs. Although the strikers have been extremely militant over the past weeks, they've not been able to stop the Stackwater juggernaut from breaking through the lines. When I shot the movie, shooting everyone with the smile bitch wigs was the time when I was like, oh my God, you're making a very strange movie. This is the one sequence that I wish we had more time to shoot. We didn't really uh, have the shots to build up the things we needed to. We're telling the story, but uh, in my mind, I understand how we could have made you feel the story of that sequence a little bit more. But who knows, maybe it would have opened up a different can of worms of spending too much time on it. Like I said, we were able to get, we got so many people from Oakland in it. like the cavalry's arrived, folks. Private mercenaries, private security, corporate security. Get them here quick. Right about now, you will hear the voice of our editor, Terrell Gibson.
Terrell Gibson. Um, is an is a, an editor that whose name you will probably start hearing a lot more of now. Yeah, yeah, and I sat in the room four days a week for ten hours a day for about uh, ten weeks. Maybe 11 weeks, including the time when we went back and did stuff to it. Um, and each week he did an extra day by himself without me around to mess with him. Because during that time, wait a minute, yeah, here we go. Heck of sapiens. I'm going to help it out, help out. Anyway. Um, during that time on those three-day weekends I was working on the soundtrack the coos portion of this and as you hear right now more beautiful score by Tune Yards um, there are two musical worlds in this movie one being the score which is all the stuff that the film is saying to you I guess we should talk about the penises. And for me, it made it way more real to not have them covered up right there, to be wearing like the Hulk or like a loincloth or something like that. Then it becomes like Land of the Lost, the Slee Stacks or something like that. But it made it feel more, much more human to show genitals. Same struggle. Same you know, to have them with tattoos and things like that that made you think of people. And they're only men because we only really had one suit. Hey. Mastermind. I love this moment and the music that Tune Yards made for it, which is kind of Brazilian-inspired, or not Brazilian, uh, more like Italian-inspired. It didn't come out that way, but that's kind of where it seemed to come from. <laughs> Are you serious right now? Serious as cake in the can, man. Don't don't play with me, Cash, because that's, that's... This scene is actually the first scene that um, Jermaine Fowler and Keith shot together. They had just met each other like 20 minutes before. First, I wanted to say I'm sorry. And... Just saying sorry. Their connection was so real right here. This is good. This is... This is perfect. I mean, in the sense that they opened themselves up to connect. Because my whole thing was, I almost took the scene out. I was like, wait a minute, maybe it doesn't make sense that he gives his, <laughs> he gives Sal this Maserati. I said, it doesn't make sense unless they're like brothers. Like, and you guys have to really show us that. 
And so that hug that they gave really felt special in the way that they were looking at each other. It's already, Here we have the sun literally setting. It's a beautiful, happy ending right now that most movies would end at, or some version of that. Notice her uh, earrings say, Bella Ciao. Bella Ciao is also a song lyric, a famous Italian uh, revolutionary song that uh, is about someone going off to fight the fascists tomorrow. And this is their last night together. So maybe Cassius is going off to fight. That's my name. That's the title. There are reasons that what? Steve Lift is limping there. I'm Cassius Green, calling on behalf of StopAMudholeInYourAss.com. Sorry to bother you, but... Fowler is definitely in it. Omari Hardwood's really in it. Terry Crews. Kate Berlant, Michael X. Summers. Danny, motherfucking lover. Steven Yen, he smokes weed. Army Hammer. That's me. I wrote and directed it. Nina Yang, Bon Jovi, Forrest Whitaker. Charles King. I'm just reading for you. Produced by George Rush, Jonathan Duffy, and Kelly Williams. Executive Poop. Oh my God, it's going too fast. I don't read fast or talk fast. All these people are really helped make this movie happen. Brian Benson, Doug Emmett, director of photography. Edie Belasco, Terrell Gibson. Deidre Elizabeth Govan. I didn't, she does not use that word in informal times. She does not call herself Deidre Elizabeth when you meet her in person. I ask her about that. Annapurna Pictures, they came and bought this and put it out to the world. This is why you're now getting it on DVD because you saw it in a crowded theater, of course. Um, all these folks really um, came and helped make this dream come true. It's something I worked on for many years and uh, at many times told myself it was going to happen but did not know whether I was lying to myself or not. 
and uh, the movie as you have now seen is really different than other things uh, that are out there. Script supervisor Andy Manners, I have to say that definitely first time feature directors, you're going to lean on your script supervisor. Um, they're the person who's like, you know, who, who you can at least rely on to tell you the truth. Like, okay, you're going to need, um, you're, you're going to need another shot of this. Meaning like, uh, if you're worried about any sort of coverage, um, which, you know, being a first, someone who hadn't gone through the editing process of a film, um, it was good to have someone like that to make you feel like you knew that you got it. And uh, so, give a shout out to Andy Manners. Uh, there are many people who are going by on this, all many of whom I love and who helped make this happen in really large ways. This was not a movie that many people thought could get made, you know, um, and it, it, not only because of the content, uh, which I didn't talk a lot about right here, because you can probably see any interview with me and I'll talk your ear off about the content of this, um, but uh, also because of the narrative form and the... Uh, idea that it was doing multiple genres and uh, even though I don't really think in those terms and that I hadn't ever done a feature film before I, I did talk about how I, I did sell people on the fact that I had been to film school uh, 20 something years ago but I, in reality I didn't remember any of that stuff uh, but I did study hard in between that time Thanks for watching this. It's in memory of my mother who died a few years ago, Anitra Patterson, and Pam the Functress, the Coos DJ, who also died last year. That's the title again. Thanks. <laughs>